Yeah, I regretted saying that. Because <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna follow you around with that poster, and I literally, I literally deleted. I was grabbing for straws. I was, I was just grasping. I was, I was trying to hold on to something. Hey, podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial pursuit, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs all around the globe seeking to do the same thing you are. If you want to know more about this program or this podcast or want to get barraged by a lot of annoying pop-ups, check out our website, lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. Everybody, happy Thursday morning. It's the Lifestyle Business Podcast, episode 156. This is the show where we believe building a business is the best way to create more personal freedom and opportunity in your life. Today, I'm joined, as is per the usual, by my captain, the uh, man who puts the nom into Vietnam. Love that boon chan, man. Can't you, get enough. If you guys stick around to the end of the episode today, we're going to talk about some lessons we've garnered from one of the greatest entrepreneurs in American history. But first some news. Uh, John Neal from the DC gave us a call uh, and he wants to let us know about a meetup coming up in LA, one of our favorite cities in America. So let's listen to that. Hey, Dan, it's John Neal from the DC. Just wanted to drop you guys a quick line and let you know that I'm hosting a meetup on May 25th in LA. So if people want to come to that, they can either email me or they can go on the DC and register for the event. Thanks, Dan. Later. Wish we could be there. That sounds like a lot of fun. Absolutely. So we're going to post John's email address on episode 156 of the LBP. And also we've got those DCX events coming up on July 19th and June 15th, respectively, in Amsterdam and Chicago. Uh, let's play the applause. Uh, we got some iTunes reviews this week. First from Wes Monk says, I listen all the time, and Dan and Ian are bringing it. Not only the concepts, but the experience. And that's the big difference. Uh, LBP style information sticks to your ribs in a way that simple advice doesn't. We've hung out with Wes Monk a couple times, one of my favorite dudes, so he's thanks a, a lot for that, Wes. He's a super cool dude. Unfortunately, we, me and you have the habit of things sticking to the ribs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Buncha. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, and uh, Ben Turner says, this is the real deal, five stars. Uh, in the last year, I've been responding to the call and quit my corporate job to become an entrepreneur, and this podcast has been the single best source of inspiration uh, to achieve that dream. Thank you so much, Ben, and congratulations on shedding the jobby job and picking up a business. Speaking of the business, uh, what do you say we play a little bit of music to get us in the mood for this one? This is episode 156, George Washington's Guide to Being the Boss. All right, so why are we talking about George Washington? By the way, kind of hard to find that little tune that we just had right there. Like not a lot of people are still playing the fife and drums. <laughs> yeah, we, we had a little discussion about reenactors. Cool or not cool? We don't know. <laughs> um, you know, George Washington uh, took a ragtag army and defeated one of the world's greatest armies and united a nation. People are probably generally familiar with the story of America, but people don't know a, a lot about George Washington. He was also a great entrepreneur. And by recently reading one of his newer biographies, I was really attracted to a lot of his habits. And I thought, man, those are some great habits for entrepreneurs. And so we're going to talk about those boss-like tendencies today. Yeah, he's got a lot of uh, interesting habits that we've found a lot of successful people share. So I think it's worth bringing those out. Yeah, a couple things just to sort of as a preamble. Um, George Washington was this rare mix, uh, you know, in, in a person where he 
had specific outcomes he needed to achieve. He needed to win the war. He needed to unite the country. He needed to forge a nation. But he always stuck to his principles when doing those things, which is really fascinating. He never really compromised. People were attracted to that in him. Um, George Washington was also the ultimate long ball player, man. He was always thinking long term in terms of relationships, wealth, and the war. I mean, it was an eight-year war, sort of a long time. My new phrase for this is uh, kicking, it down the, k- kicking the can down the road. That's right. George Washington liked that game. Um, he was described as the greatest of best men by uh, an author who said, uh, Washington seemed a man of the happy medium, brave without temerity, laborious without ambition, generous without prodigality. I had to look that up. That means without being wasteful with wealth, noble without pride, and virtuous without severity. What's striking about reading this book, Washington, A Life by Ron Chernow, is how universally admired this this man was. I mean, people saw him as a leader. They they gushed about him in their in their writings. Like once you step in the room with this dude, man, he's just he attracts your attention and he's not this hard sell person, but everybody wants to follow him. So how do you get there? Well, one of the things is George Washington took this stuff real seriously. When he was 16 years old, he's sort of famous now in retrospect for having copied down um, these rules of civility and decent behavior from the French right. to the English. This is old 16th century man- uh, manual on how to act well. And George Washington translated it as a schoolboy. And now you can buy the book. And I just wrote down a couple of these, which I thought were funny. 88th, this is one that's good for me. Be not tedious in discourse. Make not many discre- digressions nor repeat the same manner of discourse. <laughs> I'm thinking, don't make the same mistake twice. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't, be, be don't be an annoying and don't repeat yourself in conversation, especially at the dinner table, man. And uh, number 110 has a little bit of poetry to it. He says, labor to keep alive in your breast that little spark of celestial fire called conscious. These guys were wordsmiths back yeah, then. Absolutely. And that's part of what we're going to get into. So anyway... Uh, I don't want to befall the 88th rule here of George Washington. I want to get started on the six points. By the way, can we play the fife and drum thing again? Is that <laughs> Ben, can you play the fife and drum thing? That's Ben from AuthorityEngine.com, man. Doing a great job. All right, number one, choose your inner circle wisely and love them deeply. George Washington was a huge fan of this mentor-apprentice thing. Oftentimes, I meet people who inspire me, you know? People that maybe have been a mentor to me at one time, and maybe they're not working directly in an apprentice-mentor relationship. And I always think to myself, why? Why don't you have – you're attracting people. They want to follow you in your footsteps. Why aren't you cultivating relationships like that? For George Washington, they were extremely meaningful. Um, he had a whole uh, enclave of aides that looked up to him, that learned from him. Uh, the Marquis de Lafayette is probably the most famous one. Um, but this was something that was really important to Washington is cultivating this inner circle of relationships. Yeah, and I think about this uh, all the time, and this is the average of your five best friends or the people that you're hanging out with. Who are the five people that you're hanging out with right now? Who are the people that you're listening to on your audiobooks or uh, you know your podcast? Who are the people that you're reading about? Who are the people that you're learning from, mentoring? You know, What kind of circle do you have around you? Yeah, and how can you invest in that? And I think it's really important. Get off your bum and be around those people and be with them and cultivate those relationships. Number two, correspond with care, timeliness, and responsiveness. One thing that's so striking about these revolutionary characters is their letter writing. And I thought, I was kind of, man, these letter writing, that's so old school. George Washington popping off 40 letters a day in between him and his staff. And I thought, wait a second, that's sort of what the legacy of our business is built off the backs of letters as well. Yeah. 
These yeah. little things called emails. It is really fun to read these old school letters from these guys. I think I re- read one from Beethoven when he was 14 uh, not too long ago. I was just blown away by uh, the care that these people took in order to express themselves. And they really had to. I mean, you get one shot. Hopefully the letter makes it right through the postal service or yeah. what, what you had. So, But you sat down, I would imagine, for a while and, and crafted this nice uh, letter. And so that's something that we do a lot with our emails. Uh, you and I are notorious for sitting down and crafting emails. Um, yeah, during our last event, we actually pulled up some email uh, in particular, when the, what's striking about George Washington's correspondence is his diction. The words that he chooses, you can tell he took time to determine what the right word is. And one of the things about bad emails is when you can have multiple interpretations of what's happening in an email. Yeah. And that's one thing I see quite a bit. And you know, when I look back at, for example, the email that we wrote in order to purchase our business, that was so important. We didn't want any ambiguity in what the words say. So we do hang on those things. We do see writing as a fundamental, expressing yourself effectively as a fundamental skill set for entrepreneurs. That, by the way, is why we started this podcast. One of the reasons is we wanted to learn how to express ourselves um, with, with talking, I guess. You know, when you go back and listen to episode number five, don't go back and listen to episode number five. Sure. That's kind of the idea is we didn't know how to express ourselves and we're still we're still learning things right people still have hey i didn't understand what you meant by that and that feedback now is is, is has been amazing so uh, one of the things that i find really annoying and maybe other people do this and they don't find it annoying is like on the fifth email so you're writing back and forth with somebody and on the fifth email it just becomes like one word responses like no dear john thanks ian kind of thing Mm -hmm. and uh, especially with people that i don't know i never it never deteriorates to that level like it's always dear john thanks ian and i think it's really important to keep that professional approach and i think that's something that maybe george washington would have done too yeah so um, i also think it's really important to not tell me to not print out the email at the bottom (laughs) (laughs) save some trees please i mean uh don't just don't kick me in the shins when you're walking away from me don't by the way I have a presumption that you're probably not very environmentally conscious, so you shouldn't be printing out this email. It's like, come on, man. I wasn't going to print this thing out. I haven't seen a printer for five years. (laughs) All right. Number three, your presentation in word, in dress, in your affect around people is not a superficial consideration. George Washington put an incredible amount of care in the way that he presented himself. And I, I know this is a little pot kettle black because I'm the guy that shows up without sleeves on all the time, you know, wearing tank tops. You're getting better. I saw you throw some out the other day. Yeah, and I did. And part of it was hanging out in France and getting made fun of by everybody. (laughs) But you remember when we showed up to Hong Kong one time and our landlord was like, you guys just get off, these guys just come from a volleyball tournament. Yeah, that's that's what what he said to us. I thought that was The only two guys walking around Hong Kong with flip-flops and tank tops. And and we're not models, so we didn't have that excuse. You know, you don't want to kid yourself and think that wearing a suit around is going to somehow make you more important. It's not. But there are issues of presentation, in particular in your digital marketing. So this is, the, this is what I was talking about uh, on the last point with your presentation, right? I like to keep a really good presentation in my emails, right? So it's, I'm very predictable, right? I'm like a rock. People know what to expect from me. And therefore, there's no uh, fishing around. Well, what does he mean? He didn't address me with my first name this time. What does that mean? Right? Yeah, it's, it's like, like choose time. your battles with your presentation. So real consistent so people know what to expect. Right. It's like... Don't write with the funky font in your email. Stick with Arial, and then when you really want to make an impact, you put a funky font in the headline or something. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? No comic sans. <clears throat> Number four, and this is where it gets really important, and this is something that um, we talk a lot about. Simon Sinek, Start With The Why, is must-read for entrepreneurs. Great leaders 
intuit this kind of stuff. Like Martin Luther King is a great example. George Washington was the same way in that he always operated under a higher principle. You know, so when it was never about the immediate concerns of George Washington, it was always about uh, we are starting with a why. You know, we, we are operating for the liberty of free peoples in America. It's the same thing with your mission statement in your company. And when great successes befall you, it's never, yeah, that was the George Washington party. It was, this is a victory for this cause that we're all behind. Right. I think that's really important for all businesses. Again, plans change, but your mission doesn't. So just the other day with our software company, Ian, we, we developed a pricing plan that we could charge a little bit extra for and would benefit us. Obviously, we'd make some more money. And we had to ask ourselves, does that help our clients? Does that move them forward in the ways in which we're trying to affect the world? It's a great rubric for making decisions. It is. There's some very interesting problems that come with software and pricing because a lot of it's arbitrary, right? Yeah. So you have to figure out what's best for you, what's best for your customer. It's kind of fun because there's really no cost of goods sold. By the way, Ian's got a new nickname, the feature creep. <laughs> <laughs> All right, number five. I should know, right? I'm a product guy. <laughs> now, now my nickname is feature creep in the software business. Not good. Hey, this one's pretty timely because last night we were at a restaurant and you pulled up your phone and showed me a picture of a competing product that basically had taken most of our features and had represented it at a lower price. $400 less. That's right. So here is the, uh, the George Washington principle. Be decisive when it comes to destructive rivals. It is your job to vanquish them. Oh, I like so, that. so the idea is, is like, look, if your organization is committed to the mission, to the principle, you have to be decisive and serious when people make affronts to that. And George Washington was no stranger to affronts. I mean, even though he was one of the most universally beloved people, seriously, like everybody loved this guy, there was a small group of generals called the Conway Cabal. And it's sort of an interesting story. When George Washington found out that they were doing some treacherous things behind his back, he had this cool, he was always so cool. He always deferred the big moment. He just sent him a letter letting them know that he knew. Let him sweat it out a little bit. Right. Uh, when this Conway character eventually, uh, I guess he got the motor and he, he's sort of all pissing on about this stuff. Uh, one of George Washington's friends challenged him to a duel. That actually existed back then. <laughs> and get this, the guy shot him in the face. He shot him in the mouth for mouthing off about George Washington. <laughs> Sweet irony. And then I love this, this point, though. On Conway's deathbed, and I put it in quotations because he didn't actually end up dying, he apologized. And he said... I'm sorry that I misstepped, man. Like you have been in line with your principles and virtues for these colonies since day one. And I'm sorry. And I think this is sort of interesting. Like when you work, a a lot of people, I think back to what Senator McCain, now that we're in politics, I think what he did with Sarah Palin, for example, is that he stepped out of line of his principles um, in order to basically for short term gain for a short term gain. Right. And that's what George Washington was so good about is finding that nexus of where can you be effective but still stick with your principles and values? And it's guys like John McCain uh, that made that serious blunder. That's, you know, it's a big time mistake. George Washington didn't end up having to make those compromises in his career, which set him apart from the rest. And a lot of great readers, uh, leaders, you're seeing it with like the Steve Jobs, the Martin Luther King. These were the people that were able to find outcomes that they desired by sticking to their principles the whole time. Yeah, and maybe it's worth uh, another episode at some point, Dan, of uh, 
how to determine your constitution, right? How to figure out these rocks that you want to live by. Uh, and I think in the Conway story, uh, it's it's interesting. This guy, it's like, would this stand up on your deathbed? And uh, and that was the crazy part, right? It all the whole house of cards came down is that he he was on his deathbed and he decided that man. I wish I would have been more like you the whole time and I was challenging you. And it, it loops back to the original point, which is George Washington did well to vanquish this guy, to put him out of the fray, to get him out of the running, to be in power. And it wasn't about George versus this Conway character. It was about, I believe in this mission and it's going to win. One of the ways that I do this in, in business when it becomes uh, when it comes to destructive rivals is I like to think about it as like an intermediate game of tennis. So one of the ways that you can win at tennis is you just kind of keep hitting the ball back and waiting for the uh, your opponent to make a mistake. Right. That's uh, a great metaphor. In fact, George Washington did quite a bit of that. Just keeping the issue live and never letting it come to this decisive moment. Because really, if you're in the power play, you're not going to let someone push you to that decisive right. moment. Um, by the way, that's when you make compromises, right? When you're under the squeeze, when you have to make a decision. Number six, throw parties to create optionality and collaboration. Oh, this sounds like a fun one. You know, George Washington was famous for his moderation. He wasn't like me and you running around partying all night long. He was, I won't put you in that. He yeah, wasn't like me. Yourself. But, you know, I think despite that, um, the temperance, George and Martha, his wife, who, by the way, had a, it seems like he had a great marriage. Um, they seemed to get along really well, and people loved Martha just as much as they loved George. They would throw these amazing parties, not ostentatious, but it was. you got the sense, even when like foreign dignitaries came to Mount Vernon, that they felt like it was appropriate. That was He always like sort of had the right, what would you say, tone. You know, he had really nice silverware, but not ostentatious stuff. Like, so he didn't have chrome rims. He had brushed aluminum rims. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> he didn't have spinners on the carriage. You know? right. <laughs> um, but, you know, George and Martha really believed in this idea of bringing good people together on a regular basis over food and to hang out and to talk, to hang out. And I'd see some of the most successful people in business are also great at hanging out. Yeah, this is something that uh, we've been doing the past five years, right? Is uh, Well, I'd say three years. We've been throwing these parties. We've been throwing these events. We've been uh, announcing locations where we think uh, it will become meaningful to entrepreneurs. Right now is uh, Vietnam. Yeah. So there's 20 of us running around here, and we often hang out. We use these little group me applications. Pretty cool. We ping each other and say, hey, I'm out at this place. I'm sitting here. I'm just having a coffee. You know, and, you know, yesterday I had, I met up with two different groups of people, just one at a coffee shop, one at a wine bar, just back and forth. It's, and just hanging out, getting to know people. And it's funny, the projects pop up, don't they? Yeah. Because it's that trust and you distribute opportunities to people that you trust. You don't trust people because of a few emails. You trust them because you've spent time with them. You understand, you share their values, and then eventually... You do stuff together. Yeah, and if there's not a party that you like going to, uh, as always, you have to create the party that you want to be at. That's right, man. I want to be at your party, buddy. All right, let's get moving on to just the tips. All right, this is a really simple one. Google Docs, if you, you have to make, take an action, which is to you have to install the Chrome browser plugin. But I hadn't done this for a few years because Google Docs offline sucked. It sucked. Yes. And in particular, the Gmail application really sucked back in the day. Now, Google Docs, they, they sneak all these new features into Drive. It's confusing, but this is not confusing. Offline and online documents are seamless if you install the Google Doc. So that, that to me is, the, is a, that's a quick tip that had I heard it. It did have a big impact when somebody told me about right. this. Because now, basically, it has the net impact for me is it's taken a lot of my workflow out of Evernote. 
So whereas Evernote had this really intelligent syncing feature, now it's like I can work anywhere in the airport lobby and on the street. I can write, um, add to whether it's you know any one of our documents online, and then the moment I hit a Wi-Fi connection, Insta sync. It's like nothing happened. Right. Absolutely cool. All right, today uh, to commemorate Mr. Washington, uh, we are going to play you out with another American patriot, James Brown. This is Living in America. And those of you who might uh, not know, but uh, one of my next business aspirations, Ian, is once we sell this whole operation, is to start a James Brown cover band. Wow. I didn't know that. You guys kind of uh, look alike. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, uh, we'll see you next Thursday morning. Booyah. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. Don't be shy. We've got a mailing list. Check it out at lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. Go there, get yourself signed up, and we'll keep you up to date on everything we do, plus give you immediate access to episode 1 through 100 of the LBP. It is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. We'll see you next Thursday morning. Hey, hey. I'm